Hi, my name is Jenna Sears, and welcome to The Quirky Artist. I'll be your narrator through this podcast series, and I am so excited to share with you today another upcoming and emerging artist and delve a little into what kind of art has impacted them on their creative journey. Today's guest, I have a very long history with, um, and those of you who are listening will understand why immediately when I say his name. Um, Michael Sears is our guest for today's show, um, and if you know anything about how surnames work, you can recognize that Sears is also my last name. Yep, Michael is my brother. I have triplet siblings who all go to Indiana University with me. Um, They're two years younger than me. And my brother Michael is also in the music school. He is currently studying audio engineering. Um, And I had been showing the previous podcasts to my family who very graciously listened and hyped me up um, as I was making these. And my brother expressed interest in... um, talking about a piece that was meaningful to him. So a little bit of context of um, some of the things that Mike does. He, um, through the National Parenting Teachers Association, um, won a couple of composition contests. Um, So he does a lot of composing and arranging for... um, mostly percussion instruments, but he's also worked a little bit on some jazz combo stuff, um, as well as all of his audio engineering endeavors. Um, he's recorded and mixed various different ensembles and artists, um, and he's also a percussionist and um, a very proficient performer. So that's a little bit about Mike. So the piece that I'm going to be talking to Mike about in just a little bit is Herbie Hancock's Chameleon from the album Headhunters. And to give a little bit of context, um, for those of you who don't know who Herbie Hancock is, one, people, come on! I'm, I'm joking, but also he's a monumental jazz figure, so... Uh, In my world, that's very important. But Herbie Hancock um, is this prolific jazz funk pianist. Um, He was a child prodigy, grew up in Chicago studying piano, um, and ended up creating this new um, modernized sense of jazz and sometimes created um, fusion genres between jazz and funk. Um, And Headhunters is one of those fusion albums. Um, So the song Chameleon, if you are a music nerd, um, is in ABA form and um, uses ostinati um, from different percussive instruments throughout to create this um, very elusive kind of ambiance to the sound while certain instruments are riffing over these ostinato patterns. So I sat down with Michael to talk a little bit about his connection to the song Chameleon. 
So first and foremost, why did you pick this song, Mike? Well, uh, I picked this song originally because I came across it um, early on in my musical career. Uh, that'd be around 2013 or 2014. Um, and I'd only been a percussionist for maybe two or three years at the time. And uh, I was only learning like the, the, the basics and the, the, fundam- the fundamentals, which really um, weren't as groovy and, and funky as I'd like them to be. And, uh, and I guess when this song uh, was approached to me, I originally heard it on marimba in an ensemble. And the, the, the seemingly abstract um, lines by themselves came together in like a, a polyphony that was like really satisfying and funky and groovy that uh, I needed a little bit more of. And I, I, I kind of wanted to apply that same concept to uh, my artistry later on and eventually now. That's really cool. So talk a little bit more about what do you mean like you first heard this on marimba. Um, I know you because I know that you did sure. marching band and drum corps, but talk a little bit more about that and your, your interaction with this piece. Well, um, I suppose at the time I was learning and I think now, later on, I've been a percussionist for um, quite some time. And um, when I first heard the piece, I was I was just purely a student uh, learning. And I know a lot of musicians, or most musicians, have been there at some point in time. Um, but I just kind of used it to fuel my interpretation on any type of music. Like if we were playing a Christmas tune uh, in a wind ensemble at high school, that could be mundane and uh, boring, some may say finding the groove and finding the backbeat that, uh, like this song, Chameleon, for instance, uh, uh, opened me up to, made it a lot more interesting and made it more enjoyable, not only for myself, but just the aura that I projected around other musicians that made uh, performing for them also very enjoyable. Right. That's a really interesting idea. So do you think, because you're also, I mean, we are both in a conservatory setting right now. Uh-huh. Um, for those of you that are listening that don't know, my brother and I go to school together. Yeah. We're both at the Jacobs School of Music. Of so um, he just can't stay away from me. But um, so like from a context of a, of a conservatory setting, a more traditional setting of musical study, how, how do people find their groove or do we? Or is there a deficit of... I, I would say there's a deficit of groove, a deficit yeah. of funk. I mean, uh, as an audio engineering student, I don't think I'm a, a, it, I'm not as um, more clearly exposed to the rigidity of the classical conservatory kind of setting that Jacobs is. But that being said, uh, I do know a lot of people that are, um, I don't know if they complain about it necessarily, but I think it's like, um, in like... I would say most of my exposure to a lot of the Jacobs ensembles are very clinical and classical in the way that they are performed and surgically like. Uh, same thing with like music theory at a basic level that I had to take. It was very rigid, uh, very rural oriented. Um, and I think uh, in the jazz ensembles I've been exposed to, there's been a little bit more funk and I, I, that's honestly... Uh, likely because that's where the same music came from and that's just more of a standard in that genre but um in general yeah i'd say there's a there's a funk deficit gotcha so do you think and this is just me being curious about this do you think that rigidity is the antithesis of funk or do you think that there can be like this idea of in-tuned musicianship in structure 
Because, I mean... Well, and actually, I'll answer this. I think it is, uh, they coexist. They're symbiotic in hmm. some way. Because you listen to the song Chameleon, and you break them up as individual points. And in some way, they're almost ostinatos, where that may be the most rigid thing you could do. Right. But when you put them together, it becomes a very fluid, dynamic, uh, melting pot of just polyphony and funk. So you're thinking more about, like, musical intuition and... and um collaboration within yeah performative is that what you're kind of i mean exploring uh, by funk yeah yeah define define musical funk you know it's just like uh like for instance like a c major scale can be manipulated and approached in so many different ways it can be approached in a classical manner in a funky manner in a jazzy manner and i think taking that same lens um to whole pieces of music um, is a bit unorthodox, but I think it adds a lot more creativity and a whole other uh, realm of interest and just enjoyment that could be fulfilled in playing music and performing. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess my next question to you is what would be, what would you consider an unorthodoxly funky piece? A piece that, and for, For those of you who are listening, um, I just wanted to clarify context. We are talking about funk in an abstract manner, not in specifically the musical genre of sure. funk. So just wanted to clarify that briefly. Uh, a specifically funky piece. I would say, uh, actually, the similar album, the Headhunters album that Herbie Hancock came out with uh, in 1973. Uh, the piece we first mentioned was named Chameleon, but there's a, the second piece in the album is called Watermelon Man, which I would consider is uh, much more abstract and funky, but in some way it may be more uh, resolving in the in the collection of, of parts that comes together. Uh, I don't know if that, that'd be interesting to listen to. But... Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really interesting idea, and we can, I, we can pull a little excerpt of that and give it a listen really quickly. Sure. So we'll do that. So that was like a really brief little snippet of watermelon. Yeah. Man. Um. <laughs> watermelon. I was like, I thought you were going to leave out the man part. <laughs> I got there eventually. Yeah, cantaloupe boy. Um, so after listening to that little excerpt of um, Watermelon Man, I got it right this time, um, I wanted to talk about just from like a cultural perspective of other types of music, um, how is this kind of funky essence that you were talking about different or maybe not so different from surrealism or how do you delineate these different forms of funkiness um you know that's a good question i think uh, comparing for instance herbie hancock to that of john cage uh, for instance which is a very avant-garde composer um i think that would be a similar comparison to comparing herbie hancock to that of mozart maybe uh, you know what I mean? So like, like there, there are John Cage pieces where I played where you just like rub balloons together, but I, like, and 
in some way, Herbie Can Hancock is more um, is more traditional. But uh, I I think that the answer to that question is really uh, found in what you are comparing. And you know, if you Herbie Hancock is is in fact funky when Mozart is in the picture, but it's very classical when uh, you know you're rubbing balloons together. So. Um, yeah, I think it just depends on perspective. Yeah, so going back to Herbie Hancock a little bit, um, monumental in the blues world and monumental in the funk world. Um, so my question to you is, is all funk music funky inherently? or No, I wouldn't say necessarily because um, I think funky music is, is, a, is a personal... Is a personal interpretation on the um the concretes of music at least in a music setting like for instance herbie hancock um found his genesis in jazz and i think he tells a story where uh like a famous uh, a very notable jazz musician told him hey uh he was having a hard time like doing a solo for a show he said leave out the butter notes and uh <laughs> I think what he, he the, the musician actually didn't tell him to say that, but that's what he heard. And he was like, what, the butter notes? What does that mean? He was like, you know, leave out the, leave out the third and the seventh of the chord. And uh, he said ever since that point, he, he, his, the applause for all of his solos have been just enormous in comparison. And I think like that, like a single, a single, a singular moment, like a singularity in time changing his perspective, I think evolved his traditional jazz that comes from like, you know, history and like a, a lineage of people evolved into his own personal um, creation, which I think in that point it became funk. It became funky. So he started, he, he started creating like uh, an identity in um, emotion through music. That's awesome. No, and, and incredibly poignant. And I think can be extrapolated to apply to every genre of music that how do you find this in tune understanding of what your musical identity is in relation with the music and the genre or even just art in right right so i guess to wrap up my last question to you is how do you hope to be funky in the continuation of your creative journey and career you know um I hope to be very funky to answer your question. And, uh, and I think I might expand that to just life in general. I think, um, I mean, obviously in a musical sense, um, be, uh, like I was a composer for a very long time. And uh, being taking inspirations and points from other, other people or other pieces, which is a natural thing that happens. It's a, a very normal thing. And turning them into my own... Um, is something I hope to do and create uh, a sense of identity, which I think is what that does. But also, um, just in the life sense, um, always learn new things. I think a thirst for knowledge will do that to your character and your embodiment. And um, just taking in information and applying it uh, to your own lens on life will create your soul and your character. Uh, just as Herbie Hancock did when he uh, took away the butter notes, I suppose. Cool beans. Yeah. 
So Headhunters ends up becoming the first jazz album to ever sell over 1 million copies. Um, and its credits lay way beyond um, a sale record. This album and later the band that's formed, um, Headhunters, that will create several other albums in collaboration with Herbie Hancock, um, go on to inspire new innovative ideas of what jazz, funk, hip-hop, pop, soul can be, and you start to see intersection between these musical genres in ways that wasn't necessarily culturally allowed within the musical styles before. There was a taboo around fusion music and exploration of um, unique and new stylization within the genres that now um, Headhunters kind of sets an example for other groups to pursue. I was thinking about um, some of the things that Mike had commented on in our conversation, and I started to reflect on how this whole last year has been um, in the midst of this pandemic and all of the other global and local hardships um, that people are facing. And I think that sometimes we can get sucked into the monotony of things and um, kind of lose sight or enthusiasm about the certain components of life. Um, and I think that that is a completely normal and justifiable thing but I also look at pieces like Chameleon and wonder, where is my groove and how do I reconnect with it? How do I create individuality and a sense of funkiness for myself, even when I'm not always doing things that I want to be doing? Um, and I think that was a really important reminder to me that... Things can be messy and things can be sometimes dull and there seemingly is a lot of adversity in the world that is, that's pretty apparent right now. But it's important to check back in with yourself and figure out where your own rhythm is. Figure out how you're feeling, figure out what you believe in. Um, so that way you kind of rekindle your own sense of groove or funk. Um, and it inspires you and reassures you when all of these other challenges are coming along. So I thought that that was a very nice reminder that kind of coagulated um, in the back of my brain as I was um, ruminating on my conversation with Michael and re-listening to this remarkable piece. Thank you so much to everyone who took the time to listen today. It is a joy to share art with others, and I am so blessed that I am able to narrate you through this process as we meet emerging artists from all over the world. Stay tuned and stay quirky. Ba-doop, 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 ba-doop.